Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We've been talking about making disciples, about discipleship, and that as we go through life, make disciples is really what that scripture is saying. As you go, as you go through your life, make disciples. So you remember that, that sermon that I, I said I was going to preach two weeks ago? I ditched it, and then last week I also ditched it. Well, this isn't that one either. This is, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever get to that one because uh, I, it just doesn't seem to happen. So I, I really want to talk about, excuse me, I, I want to talk about, remember we said uh, that everyone in the world is a disciple. Everybody's a disciple. It just depends who they're following. Everyone's following someone, even if they're just a disciple of their own teaching, of their own belief system. They are following someone or something. Everybody is a disciple. But a true disciple of Jesus Christ has differences from that. We also talked last week, we said that uh, everyone... Excuse me, I'm trying to get my voice back here. Not every believer is a disciple, but every disciple is a believer. And there was a difference for just having a belief in Jesus Christ and being in an embedded, deep, intimate relationship, discipleship thing with Jesus Christ. That those were, those were far two different things. So I want to talk about three things this morning. Well, three things that uh, make, uh, that tell us the difference between a believer and, and a true disciple of Christ. I'm really going to talk about one of them, but I'm going to mention all three. So a disciple is one who is always with the master. A disciple is one who is always with the master. A disciple is one who is always becoming like the master. And a disciple is one who serves like the master. But today we're just going to talk about Always with them. A disciple is always with the master. So if you wouldn't mind going to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 4. And we're going to pick up the story probably in verse 8. In the previous chapter, John and Peter have healed a lame beggar. Someone who couldn't walk, someone who had to beg for his existence, who wasn't allowed to go into the temple because he was lame. He was considered unclean. Not only do Peter and John heal them, they bring him into the temple with them. It's a beautiful story. Of course, this upsets the religious authorities. They're all upset about this, so they bring them in for questioning. They had thrown them into prison, but then the next day they said this. Uh, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, oh wait, I'm sorry, let's go back to verse 7. And when they had set them in the middle of them, they inquired by what power or by what name did you do this? 
Do you realize that you have to be careful what you ask for? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel, but by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, which you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven been given among men by which we must be saved. They asked a question and they got a salvation message. <laughs> trying to exert their authority, trying to, to, to scare these men with this line of questioning. And Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and says, okay, you want to know the answer to this? I'm going to tell you the answer. Who did this? Jesus did this. Verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I love this verse. This, is, this verse is so, 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 so brutally cool. This is just awesome. Now, when they said um, they perceived that they were uneducated common men, uh, this, if you don't realize this, this was not a compliment. The, the, the religious leaders were looking at this men with, with disdain, with, with contempt. That, you know, they said, these men, uh, they don't have any credentials. We, we're, they're uneducated. They're not like us. We're educated. We understand. They don't. But they saw something. They saw something radically different about these men. The word boldness here means, in the Greek, it means to go all out. To go all out, leaving nothing to question. That you perfectly understand why I'm being bold. It means I am, I, this being bold means I'm just giving everything that I possibly can to this moment. I'm not holding anything back. I'm going to be brutally honest. This is what this word means. So when they saw uh, Peter and John being brutally honest, being given all out, they perceived that these were uneducated men, but they were going all out. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, this is really cool. Recognize, this word in Greek means that I know exactly who that person is. There's nothing left to question. I, I perceive, I recognize, I understand who this person is. But it's the word with that's really, really, really cool. That word with means a union. It means a oneness. It means a companion. It means that there's a resemblance from that person that I recognize and the people that are with him. See that? So what this verse is saying is, I recognize 
that they had been with Jesus because they look like him, they sound like him, they act like him. That's pretty cool. So, yes, we understand that they're uneducated, but we cannot deny the fact that they have been with Jesus. Their boldness, their authority is just like his. They're speaking with the same authority. They're speaking with the same boldness that Jesus has spoken. We can't help but recognize whose disciples they belong to. It's amazing, amazing revelation that these these religious leaders get just because of the boldness that, that Peter and John speak out with. And the fact that they went and healed someone that was an undesirable. Remember we talked about Jesus touching the man with leprosy, becoming defiled in, in Jewish law. Well, this man was defiled too because he was considered lame from birth. He was, un, he was unworthy to enter the temple. Not only was he unable to, he was unworthy to enter the temple. The same boldness that Jesus had, Peter and John now exhibit and heal this man, bring him into fellowship, bring him into community, and, and then standing before these religious leaders and saying, you want to know who did this? Jesus did this. Jesus did this. Now, is anybody else excited? I'm pretty excited about this. this is, I don't know about you, but this is pretty exciting stuff. I want to, I want to, I was, I think most of you probably maybe read this story on Facebook that Liz shared about what happened to her last weekend. But I want to, I want to read this story to you. It's a beautiful story. She said, I feel like this adds to yesterday's sermon in a way. Today I was in Target and I was in line checking out. I don't make a lot of money and I was not expecting to give any money away today. But something in my soul kept telling me, give the cashier $20. Over and over again, I was being told to give the cashier $20. So I did. I put it in her hand and I said, you are loved. She started crying and she told me that she was a single mom and she was $17 short on her toddler's inhaler. And she's been worrying all day how she was going to get that $17 to pay for it. I asked her if I could pray for her, and she said, You know, I always doubted God, but I see him today. I gave her my number, and I told her if she wants to talk, I will be there. Liz says, My conditions aren't perfect, but God was telling me what to do, and I did it, and I might have led another person to God. (laughs) Bam! Bam! What did they recognize? What did this cashier recognize in Liz? they recognized that someone had been with Jesus. So much so that she resembled him with generosity. Our God is a generous God. She needed $17. She got 20 Our God is generous. And he moved on someone's heart. For, and, and Liz, did this, she got this wonderful blessing of participating with the generosity of God. This is beautiful. That's his boldness. 
And we all know Liz and love her. She's a shy, reserved person and who likes to hide in the background. But God spoke to her and she couldn't contain it and she did what her father wanted her to do because she had been with Jesus. See, the disciples were bold. They weren't bold just a few days prior to that. They were hiding for their lives. They were scared for their lives. They deserted Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. These men ran away from him. The Holy Spirit came. And they had boldness. These men had been with Jesus and it was starting to affect them in ways that they didn't even understand. And, they want, and that's what God wants for us. To be bold like this. To take steps of faith and step out of the comfort zones and, and do what he wants us to do. I love that story. I asked Liz if I could share it, so that was good. <laughs> Someone asked me the other day. Okay. How do we build this close, intimate relationship with God then? How do, how do we get so close to, 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 to know that we have been with Jesus... And then be able to express the fact that we have been with him. What does that look like? What do we have to do? Please tell me that it's more than than praying, reading your Bible, and worshiping. Please tell me it is that. My answer was yes and no. Because it is more than that. But we have to go with those. Because those are the way we get to know the Father. It just depends on our heart motivation. But the thing I told him, I said, here's the thing that's beautiful about trying to build a deep, intimate relationship with, with, with God. Is that God is more committed to, to that than we are. Jesus prayed for it. Uh, go to John 17. Verse 20. If somebody would, read verse 20 to verse 22. You would. Chapter 17, verse 20 to 22. Did you hear what God just promised there? What Jesus just prayed for there? Understand the intimacy that is between father and son. Jesus talked about it demonstrated it, lived this throughout the scriptures about being so closely intimate with Father God, being so close to Him, and this is what He's praying for us to have. This verse is not talking about church unity. 
although it affects church unity. He's talking about sons and daughters being so close to God, so close to the Father, just like He is close to the Father. Okay, maybe you didn't hear me. Okay. There, there exists between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit this close, intimate relationship that is beyond words, beyond description, beyond imagination, beyond what we can even begin to realize and identify with. There's this closeness, this intimate relationship that's so close that they think and act and are one that he wants us to have that same thing. Do you, do you, do you hear it? Do you get this? Do you see what Jesus is praying for? He wants us to be so connected that we know his thoughts, we know his heart, we know his purposes so that we can be sons and daughters and the disciples that we need to be so that the world understands about the love that he has for them. God is more concerned about an intimate relationship with us than we are. So much so that Jesus prayed for it and then died for it to happen. To make it possible for us to have that kind of oneness with God. This is the beauty of our Messiah's heart towards us. That he wants us to be so close like he and the Father and the Holy Spirit are this close. John 15, Wonder Force says this. Before I read that. What would you say is the, one of the most key components of intimacy? Trust. Say it louder. Trust. Trust is the one true key to intimacy. In any relationship. Because as we learn to trust someone, we allow them to get closer to us. Right? So even our intimacy with God depends on our trust of God. And so when we trust that He is good, we allow that relationship to get closer with Him. Now, God is always trustworthy. We have to learn how to trust Him. See, it's not God's work. It's our work. This is part of what we do. This is the, the, He helps us with this. He draws us in. He shows us His power, His might, His mercy, His goodness. He makes it, that, uh, it, may, he makes it able for us to trust Him. But we still have to choose to trust Him. So if we, if we even begin to understand that, that we need to, uh, how to, to build an intimate relationship with him, we, we, it comes down to our trust level. How much do we trust him? And that's where we start. That's where we ask God to help us with our trust. God is not threatened by the fact that we may not trust him. That doesn't threaten God at all, just to let you know. Because he's so committed to that relationship for us to be one. And he's been praying for our trust issues 
for a very long time. For a very long time. So prayer and studying his word and worship are the base of that relationship. Uh, but Jesus says in John 15, 1 to 4, he says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Isn't that encouraging? Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. This this word abide that I really want to concentrate on. This word is so huge in its meaning. It means to stay in a given spot. Okay, I'm going to abide. I'm going to stay in a certain spot. But it also means I'm going to stay in a certain state of mind. I'm going to stay in a certain relationship. And I'm going to stay in hope. It means that we go with Jesus leads, you stay with him, and you stand with him. It's intentional, it's relational, and it's purposeful. And here's the really beauty, beautiful meaning of this word. It means, to abide with Jesus means to remain as one. It's that whole oneness thing coming back to us. So when we abide with Jesus, we remain as one with him. And it says, and also not to become like another. So here's the beauty of discipleship that is not only that we, we learn about Jesus, but we take what we learn about Jesus and we put it into practice. And we do the things like Jesus would do them. We say the things like Jesus would say them. We present the truth like Jesus would present them. Look, I stand up here and, and I preach through my personality. I've been given a God-given personality. I preach through it as, as best I can. But my personality comes out, and you know this by now. But it's his words. I don't teach my opinion. I don't teach my thoughts. I teach what this word says. Or I try to to the best that I can. So when people receive something, if they do receive them, when I, and I hear back from people say, oh, you know, God said and spoke to me about this. And I go, you know what? You heard the Father's words. You didn't hear mine. Because his words bring life. See, because when we're attached to the vine, this is the only way we can bear fruit. When we abide with him, it's the only way that we can be true disciples. It's the only way that we can be sons and daughters and express life if we're connected to him. You know, when you cut a flower off a rose bush, it looks great for a few days, but sooner or later that rose dies because it's no longer getting the nutrients that it needs to flourish, to grow, to look pretty. It's the same thing with our life. We must remain with the Master. We must stay with the Master. We must abide with Him. And that sounds like a far out, complicated word. But if we could just remember that it means to remain one with Him. 
one in his purposes, one in his teachings, one's in the, in, in, in the things that he's asking us to do, his mindset, his thought process, and not ours. So the answer to that question that someone asked me is yes. This is how we build an intimate relationship with God. We do it in prayer. We do it in studying his word. We do it with worship. But we do it at God's pace, not ours. See, disciples follow at the master's pace. We don't get to choose our destinations anymore. So when we pray at God's pace, when we worship at God's pace, when we read his word at God's pace, it looks a lot different than the pace that I usually walk around in. So how do we build it through these these fundamental things? I believe that we have to get to a place where we have to get rid of as many distractions as possible. I like to call it soul clutter. But there are practical things that we can do. All of us are busy. All of us have multiple responsibilities to do. Every day there's, there's a list of tasks that we know we have to get done. So make those tasks prayers. Father, help me accomplish this today. And whatever my hands are doing today, help them bring glory to your name in whatever I do. That's a simple prayer. Help me mow the lawn today. Yes. Help me mow the lawn today. Help me do the laundry. Help me study for a test. Help me, whatever it is, we make them prayers, but in those prayers, we allow God to speak into those moments. So what we're doing is we're no longer just concentrating on the task. We're concentrating on God in those tasks. See, I have found that when, when I do that, when I'm praying while I'm doing something that is considered just a, an everyday task, God does something really kind of cool. I'll start to be praying for, you know, Lord, help me uh, finish this sermon prep, or Lord, help me do this, and God will just bring somebody else to mind. Because I want you to pray for so-and-so. And I start to pray for so-and-so. And all of a sudden, I'm praying for so-and-so and so-and-so. I'm praying for multiple people. And all of a sudden, when I'm praying for multiple people, God will drop a scripture into my, into my spirit and say, hey, you know what? you might want to reach out to them and encourage them with this scripture. So I'll go back to the Word and I'll read that scripture because, you know, usually it's for me too. And so when I read this scripture and I'm praying for, praying for someone, all of a sudden I'm, I'm filled with gratitude about what God's going to do and I start to worship Him. And I'm still doing that task. I'm still doing that responsibility. But right now what I've done is I've consecrated that moment to God. And I'm saying, you know, a servant is not above his master. So, you know, whatever I've been asked to do, I'm going to consecrate it. I'm going to set it apart for God. And I'm going to make that moment holy. Moan and lawn, I understand, may not be a holy moment, but you can make it one. Yeah, because it's nice when you get it done, too. But this is how we build intimacy with someone. By pursuing them. This is how we learn how to trust God. 
as we read his word and he, and he ex- would, through the Holy Spirit, makes it real to us. When we pray for other people and our heart starts to con- connect with, with their hearts because our compassion grows for them. See, we, we pray to know his heart. This is why we pray. We, 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 don't, we don't just pray for answers. We pray to know his heart. Because when we know his heart, then we know how to pray. See, we, word, we read his word so that we will know his truth. Because his truth will change us. Empower us. Encourage us. So that's why we read his word. And we worship so we can know him. Because this wonderful thing about worship, which I, you know, I know I've said before, our, when we worship God, our eyes are off of us. And we start to see with God's perspective. So this is why I think when we pray and when we study his word and we worship, it's a circle. One feeds the other. Because when I am worshiping him and my eyes are off of me and I begin to see him and I begin to see life the way that he sees life, I begin to understand his word more. Because my spirit is now looking at the word with a different set of eyes. And then when I read his word, it encourages me and it gets my faith bold. So now I can pray for people with a, with a boldness and with faith so that, that God can answer these prayers. And then when I'm praying and, and I'm getting encouraged, you know, I start to worship. See, it's just this beautiful thing that drives us deeper into the Father's heart. And this is what Jesus prayed for, that we would be one. And these are the vehicles that he's given us, and there are others, but these are the three main vehicles that he has given to us to learn how to be not just disciples, but sons and daughters. All sons and daughters are disciples because their hearts are towards the Father. And we want to learn about what our Father wants us to do, about where he wants us to go, and how he wants us to say it when we're there. So building intimacy with God is just being with Him, staying with Him. See, I'm going to go wherever Jesus goes because where else can I go that there's life? Because apart from Him, the, the, the more distant I get from Him, the deader I get. Not the good deader. The closer to Him, the more I resemble him, the more I look like him. And the world needs more of that than it needs more of Jay. It needs more of Jesus. It needs more of disciples that are following so closely that they are indistinguishable from Jesus himself. So when people see boldness, they recognize that we have been with Jesus. And that's what we want. We want them to recognize that we have been with Jesus because that leads them to the kingdom. Now, not every response, we, when we were out there being bold, Liz got a favorable response. She got this response that we all want to get when we're bold for Jesus. We want that person to, to accept what we say and to be really enthusiastic about the gift or you know, to really respond in a positive way. The religious leaders did not respond positively to the boldness of Peter and John. They threatened them, said, don't, don't speak of this anymore. And 
Peter and John said, we can't help but speak of this. They threaten him with more prison time. And Peter and John go back to the rest of the, of the disciples. And what do they pray for more of? Bonus. Not every response we get from the world is going to be favorable. But we can't shrink back. Because we have the words of life. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. Who are in a discipleship program for the rest of our lives. Making us more look more like Jesus. That's how we also build intimacy as we travel with him on this path. So yeah, it's Bible study, it's prayer, it's worship, but it's all motivated by love and a desire to know our Father more. Father, we thank you for today, we thank you for your love, we thank you for your mercy, thank you for your grace, your moments of grace. I pray, Father, that whatever words that need to be remembered today, because they're your words, will be remembered. Everything that that wasn't you, let it be forgotten. But I pray, Father, that we would go out of this building today with a renewed purpose and renewed boldness and understanding of your heart and how much you love us, how much you desire to be one with us. It blows my mind that the God of the universe would want to be one with me. Totally blows my mind, and I'm grateful for it. Thank you for blowing my mind. Thank you for surprising me with grace. So I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would bless them financially this week. You would bless them in their relationships. You would bless them in their health. I pray, Father, that no matter where they go this week, they will drip Jesus. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.